Welcome to the midweek Mission Ridge podcast known as Footnotes. Footnotes is here to give you some of the stuff that we didn't have time to cover in the sermon and encourage you to dig in deeper as you study the text. So let's dive in and check out what's in the footnotes. Alrighty, welcome to another episode of Footnotes. This week on the podcast, it's just me and Rob. Hello. Just the two of us. I don't know the words. I, me neither. That's the only part of that song. I don't even know what song that is, really. Is the name of the song just the two of us? It I might think, be. I think it is. Uh, I should it, probably learn the rest of the song. If it's not, there. then it's a waste. <laughs> it's a waste. <laughs> it's probably called, like, Two of Us or Three's Company. I don't know. Three's a Crowd? I don't know. Something like that. Anyway, let's dive right in here with our discipleship moment. Um, we can make it if we try. Just the two of us. Just the two of us. Yeah. There you mm-hmm. go. Google's a beautiful thing. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Pressing on. So, discipleship moment this week. We wanted to talk a little bit more about dealing with our own evil, with the own raw, uh, the hurrah, the hurrah. That'd be redundant. With our own hurrah, the evil. I don't, I don't it doesn't work when you mix those two languages. No. Uh, dealing with our own, the own crap in our hearts versus dealing with other people's evil because there's there's a little bit of a difference here yeah so in the story uh, you know i think uh when you get to the end of the story what you realize is that that god wants to deal with the ra the hara in jonah's heart and it just it ends with a question and the and the and the question becomes are you going to allow God to deal with what's going on in your own heart? Mm-hmm. And as disciple makers, we have this, you know, this dichotomy that we live in that that we are to help people learn what it means to pursue God, how to deal with the hurrah in their own lives. But that doesn't that doesn't uh, excuse or uh, you know, it doesn't get us off the hook. <coughs> God still wants to deal with what's going on in, in our in, in our hearts. Sure. And so, you know, what kind what kind of attitudes, you know, are just below the surface? And and I mentioned this last week that when hard circumstances uh, come our way, that whatever response that we have, whether it be fear anger, resentment, that circumstance didn't create those emotions, didn't cause those things to come out. Like, the circumstances themselves didn't create your response. Yeah. That response comes from the well of your heart. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I've noticed that God continues to increasingly allow harder and harder things take place in my life to reveal what's going on in my own heart. So, uh, as disciples, we get to continue to follow Jesus. We still need uh, to repent. Mm-hmm. You know, if we don't stay true to that process, and, and we need people in our lives that could say, "Hey, Rob, you know how how you doing with your with your wife? You know how you doing with your kids? How you doing with you know driving and." In Missoula. 
How are you doing with not being a jerk on the road? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, those kinds of things. How, how are you dealing with the hurrah in your heart? Yeah. So we still, we need, we need that accountability even as mature believers. Sure. Otherwise, if we don't have that accountability, what we see uh, both in this, in the scriptures and all around us is that leaders will fall. Oh, yeah. It will become a stumbling block. It'll become that thing that draws them down and become the thing that uh, will potentially cause people to question, well, was their message valid ever? Yeah. Were they ever living this out? Maybe not totally a fair question. Maybe maybe a fair question. I don't know. Um, you know, there's I've seen some some leaders that I respected, highly respected at one point, and then I see them fall as it were, mm-hmm. have a, have something glaring come to the surface. And I'm like, ugh, do I read their book still? Or or is their message tainted by their by ultimately how they lived life? Sure. And so I want to guard against that. I want to protect God's name. And the best way for me to do that is to constantly be looking at my own heart going, man, what are you finding in there, Lord? Mm-hmm. Bringing the bringing the stuff up to the surface. Yeah. Cool. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, let's talk three day versus one day. One yeah. day only at the Bon Marche. What? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So we could have talked about this last week, but we were running out of time, and it kind of ties into this week because this week we're told that they leads a hundred and twenty thousand people to to the Lord. I mean. They repent and mm-hmm. they start seemingly start a relationship with God through their repentance and start to understand what God was requiring of them. I, I love the question you raised of did Jonah go teach them more? Mm-hmm. Like, yes, you just repented, but do you know how to? You've repented of your past, but do you know how to live going forward? Is a, is a great question. Sure. You could ask the same question about the pagan sailors. Like, they didn't get a chance to learn this. Did they go seek this out? Do they now just worship this God that they know nothing about? Well, from the rabbis, they'll teach you that they did. Mm -hmm. That's their assumption. But so it's interesting. So the three days, it's supposed to be a three-day journey into to, to cross the city. And yet the first day he's preaching... A message that doesn't tell you anything other than in 40 days you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Doesn't tell you what to do, and yet they all seem to know what to do, and they seem to know how to do it better than anybody else had ever done it before. Well, in the Jewish mind, one means God. Mm. Here, Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is oh. one. Oh, oh, shoot. I know where you're going with this now. So God shows up <laughs> in Nineveh. Oh, yeah. God shows up. Oh, And Jonah shoot. has to know this. Jesus says... Like, this was going to take three days. Nope. God shows up. Oh, man. Shoot, dang. God showed up. I'm here. I'm here. 
Jesus, Jesus <laughs> said, no one could come to me unless the Father draws him. Yep. And so we know that as disciple makers <laughs> that we have our part, they have their part, and God has his part. And I really believe that God's part is the most important part because God's the one who reveals truth. Mm -hmm. He's the one who brings conviction. You know, he's the one that gives us the ability to say yes. And so I just, I think that's exciting that God did show up. And I think that's the thing that we're always longing for. Mm. God, will mm. you show up? Mm. And that's what, you know, when people told me about Missoula, like, oh, Missoula, that's a hard place, you know, to plant a church in Missoula. I'm thinking, yeah, but where does God want to go? He wants to go to places where people go, yeah, there's no God there. Well, we did need to go east. We did go east. Yikes. <laughs> uh, for those of you that don't understand geography, uh, Missoula is to the east of Moscow. And you'd have to listen to yesterday's sermon for yeah, some more context. Yeah, you'd have to. You'd have to go check that out. But uh, yeah, perfect. Yeah, God perfect. shows up. God shows up in Nineveh. Huh. All right. So speaking of God, speaking of God, you've got some commentary on uh, Jonah four two. Yes, and I I get this from Rabbi David Foreman. Um, <coughs> Jonah says, "O oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster." So that's a quote. Uh, he's quoting Exodus 34, 6. Okay. He drops something and he adds something. Um, and so let me read this to you. And passed Yahweh before him and, and proclaimed Yahweh, Yahweh God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in goodness and truth. Oh, that's different. Now you have. To, I just read that uh, word for word um, through Bible Hub, looking, and that's that's literally what each word means in the Hebrew. It doesn't come across that way in our English version, or at least my English version that I was looking at. But in Hebrew, that last word there is truth, and Jonah drops that. He doesn't say that you're a god of truth. Mm. He does say you're relenting of disaster, but he's in a sense he's saying, God, you're not being truthful with us. Huh. And um, and I think that's at the heart of, of Jonah's anger. Jonah's really wrestling with <coughs> the mercy of God and how can you be merciful to people who are so awful, and you did a good job yesterday describing some of the things that the Syrians did to yeah, their enemies. Yeah, they're not nice. They're not nice. They were not nice. They were brutal, mm -hmm. beyond brutal. And so, so this is this is at the heart of yeah of uh, what Jonah's wrestling with. 
it's interesting because Jonah's father's name means son of truth. <laughs> and so this is like like Jonah really understands what what he's saying here. And I've I've wrestled with this too. Like I've been mad at God before. I'm like, did did you did you really say? Did you <laughs> mm-hmm. like like from my perspective, my human perspective, I don't get this, God. And uh, yep. I, I've been angry so many times, and later have come to go, oh, <laughs> oh, that's what you were doing. A little hindsight twenty twenty. Um, hindsight twenty twenty, and in a whole lot of repentance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for my sackcloth. Oh man, where, where where's that ash pile I can sit in? Okay, there it is. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna wallow here. Yeah. But, Come find me in 40 days. But just an interesting thought, you know. Yeah. Jonah's accusing God. He's leaving this truth out. He's saying, oh, you man. are not truth. You're not being truthful to me. And that's tasty. And that's, you know, that's on the front end of that <coughs> of the whole conversation of, of Jonah. 4. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That I mean, that leads off the where where he begins. We begin for with him being greatly displeased. Right. Furious. Absolutely inflamed with anger. Full of raw. Full of raw. Um, Full of raw. And I've and I've been there. I've like I, I have felt evil inside my own heart. That is, it's a scary place. No, it's not. Yeah, I mean that's. I think if if you take a moment and think about it, we've probably all have been. I'm not going to speak for anybody else, but I would be wild. Wildly surprised if there was anybody that could say, "No, I haven't. I haven't been in that position where I'm feeling, where I'm feeling that raw." Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I think. I know I can't. I think it's pretty universal. Um, but at some point, speaking of hurrah, hurrah, hurrah! I I struggle with that so much. (laughs) Like it just sounds so hurrah. It's no. You know, I, Hot, raw. So one of the Egyptian gods is Ra. Yeah, isn't he the sun god? I think he's the sun god. Yeah, and I, and I'm wondering if that's why they adopted like that's almost tongue in cheek. They might have. I was that's just a side note. I don't know. No, I, I <laughs> that's not a bad theory. Um, uh, so I mentioned in there that there's this group of four. Uh, there's these groups of threes that I pointed out, and then I also pointed out that there's a group of four between Maveth, I, th- I think it's Maveth, which is the word for die. Mm. Uh, and so it shows up in there, to die, and the hara. Yep. Uh, you So you've got this group of four between, we're drawing this correlation between dying and the evil. Yep. Um, which there's all of this interplay. Uh, and there Ooh. is one other, there's one other, huh? Well, that yeah, just dying and in, in the hurrah that's in that's within us. I mean, it's kind of like uh, it just kind of makes me think of like the glass half full or glass half empty. Oh. Like, like the things that we choose to focus on. <clears throat> you know, if we focus on the evil that's inside of us, yep. And these, and which brings up the next point of mana that you're you're about ready to say, like God. Four times provides manas for Jonah, but three of them are 
harsh circumstances. He's got the yeah. fish. Uh, he's got the worm, and he's got the scorching sun. Yep. He's either yeah. He's well. You could say that the fish was protecting Jonah from drowning. Sure. But but he keeps him. <laughs> <laughs> but but he, he hangs on. He didn't really finding Nemo that as 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 he does. <clears throat> um, I I was thinking about this the other day. The fish is like putting your kid in timeout. Oh yeah. The plant is like trying to sit down and have a gentle conversation mm-hmm. with them. Right. Yeah. The worm is saying, "Nope, I'm taking your toys." Yeah. And the east wind, <laughs> that's like getting a spanking. Yeah, it's a spanking. It's a swine. And if that's not the most beautiful analogy for this, I don't know what is. <laughs> Parenting via Jonah. <laughs> and and so, you know, God provides the space for these things to come to the surface. And you can either hang on to them. And if you hang on to them, then you probably are going to want to yeah. die, as it were. I mean, it just, it takes you down. Yeah. Well, that dwelling in that will lead to... It leads to death, I think. Is yeah. it, it's this descent you're descending into. But we into serve death. a God of resurrection, and he wants to restore our hearts. Mm-hmm. And so when he brings things to the surface, it's always for restoration. Yeah. Always for restoration. I think it can feel like shame. I think that's the lie. Oh, I think shame that's is, the danger, the temptation. Shame is, is that when so you, painful. You find yourself in these situations where where all the crap is rising to the surface. Mm. God's provided a place, and the 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 temptation is to see it rising to the surface and coming, and we want to force it back down and hide it. Oh yeah, or or not deal with it because there's shame involved because it's it's now out there. Well, right. and Jonah's alone throughout the whole story. Like, Jonah takes nobody with him. Yep. And he's on the side of the hill at the end of the story. Like, this is where community comes in and says, I understand. Or I don't understand, but man, that seems painful. Yep. Uh, you know, and so, you know, shame is one of those things that would seek to isolate. Grace seeks to restore. And that's what com- community, if done well, if done right, will seek to restore. So there's <clears throat> uh, there's another little tie-in here with this uh, die. So when I was when I was searching... I was doing some research, and um, my initial thought was, "Oh, I'll, I wonder what the first, like the first place that Maveth is used." Yeah, uh, and it is not actually Cain. I thought for sure it was going to be Cain. I was like, "There has to be a tie oh, here. Like, there yeah. has to be a tie-in with Cain, right?" That's a great theory. I love that. And and it it's not used there. That word doesn't come about till later, but. But there's this concept with Cain, right? Where, uh, and I I wish Jacob was here to talk about this because we were talking about this yesterday and he put the last piece in the puzzle for me. Um, There's a a correlation between Cain and Abraham and Jonah. 
What? Yeah. So Jonah at the beginning of the story here says he's greatly displeased, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if we go to Genesis uh, chapter 18, uh, I think it's 18. Let me go. Yeah. Nope. 21. Sorry. Chapter 21, verse 11. So at this point in the story, we're, we're looking at Abraham, and this is God protects Hagar and, Ish- and Ishmael. Mm. <clears throat> right. So the child grew and was weaned. Uh, that's in verse 8. Abraham had a great feast. Sarah gets jealous. Um, so she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son for the son of the slave woman shall not be heir with my son, Isaac. Right. Remember this part of the story. Yep. And here in, 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 uh, verse 11, and the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. Oh, Jonah, Jonah is sitting here trying to be Abraham. I'm greatly displeased. Now, the next thing that God says to Abraham in this is, but God said to Abraham, be not displeased because of the boy, uh, because of the boy and because of your slave woman, whatever Sarah tells you, do as she tells you for though Isaac shall be uh, your offspring named, Uh, right? But Jonah is sitting there trying, thinking that he's going to be, that he's Abraham. Right. And how does God respond to Jonah? He asks him, do you do well to be angry? Why are you angry? Which, who does God ask that very question to in Genesis 4? Oh, Cain. Cain, who's sitting there with this raw in his heart. And God says, sin's knocking at your door. Yeah. Why are you angry, Cain? Yeah. And, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Like, that is a tasty little tidbit. Yeah, you think you're being Abraham, you're being Cain. Yeah. God's just like, wha-pam! Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So good. You think you're being righteous. So good. You know, and the thing is, you know, just, you know, the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. I think that's what James is saying. Yep. You know, like, we think that our anger is going to bring about right things. And so often it doesn't because we don't have the perspective of God. Yep. And when we step back and and hindsight being what it is and look back on our actions going, oh, I was trying to get right things, but I want I want to use I want to do wrong things to get right things. I was trying to do right things the wrong way. Right. I was right. trying to build God's kingdom using Rome's tools. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's one other connection with Abraham. We're gonna flesh this out too much here, but uh if you wanted to, you could go chase down part of the story with Hagar and Ishmael, where Ishmael ends up sitting underneath a plant. <laughs> and Hagar is about a bow's length away. And she doesn't want to, to protect s- him. And she doesn't want to watch her son die. Mm-hmm. And maybe, so if you wanted maybe that's to, why God provides a plant because he doesn't want to see his son die. If you wanted to, you could go research oh. that a little bit. Oh, man. I was going to let Jacob talk about that one. So oh. we're not, I would like, he, he, he had that one all fleshed out. So, mm. but yeah, that you could go, you could go do a little research on that. There might be some Midrash teaching involved with that. But, yeah. you know, there you go. There's some footnotes, tidbits for you. 
Now, Mana, we talked about this. Mana shows up four times with the whale and the uh, plant, the worm, and the east wind. Yep. Um, and you had a correlation between that and thorn in the flesh. Well, Paul says that, you know, three times he asked the Lord to remove the, the thorn from him. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I think there's just this tie back, you, you know, there's so many times, well, we, we kind of want to interpret that so many different ways, especially in the Western world. But I really believe Paul is connecting back to this Jonah story and, 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 and Paul was dealing with something in his own heart. Mm. There was something there that guy's going, Paul, you're my apostle. You're you're doing things. You're bringing people, you know, to the kingdom. Yep. You you're writing letters. You're teaching. You're whatever. <clears throat> but there's still there's there's these. You're hanging on to something here. You're still hanging on to something, or there, or there's still something there. You know, yeah. something that you you can't see. That needs to come out. That needs to come out. And mm. um, you know, because you know where the thorns come from. Plants. <laughs> yep. Uh, you know, and hmm. so, yeah. I just, I just wonder if, if he is making a reference to jo- Jonah is, is the only person. I think you mentioned this. Jonah is the only person that Jesus identifies personally with. Yeah. Uh, as far as characters go, other people identify Jesus as you know, like. Uh, the return of Moses or one of the prophets, you know. Um, but the only person that Jesus directly draws a correlation to um, and kind of compares himself is is Jonah. Um, and that's specifically, if I remember right, the, I, the it might not be the only place, but with the with where he's talking about the sign of Jonah. I think we talked about that two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Hmm. <clears throat> so. There's, I mean, in, they're they're reading Jonah on Yom Kippur. This would have been, this is, and like, as we said, this is not a crazy in-depth story. If you wanted to memorize Jonah, it would not be that difficult. No. Uh, word for word, you could memorize Jonah relatively easy. Um, so this would have been a really well-known story for them. So it, I I think there's probably a lot of a lot of credence there to Paul using some Jonah references. Right. Wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, so I mentioned in the sermon, there's this connection with the story of Lot with the uh, word shade. Yes. So just wanted to, uh, I kind of blew through that in the sermon real quick and just to, to flesh that out a little bit more. So God provides this plant to shade to protect Jonah from his the evil in his heart, right? Uh, which, if Ra is the sun god, it's also protecting him from the sun, which would be... I really want that to be a thing, uh, now that you've come up with that idea. But, uh, so, when we when I did the word thing, uh, first mention, which is not the rule of first mention, the the uh, guideline of first mention. Yeah. It's not, a, it's not a hard, fast rule, but the first place that the word for shade is used was there in Genesis, I think that was Genesis 18, maybe. 
I don't know. It's with Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. Genesis 19. Genesis 19. Okay. 19 verse 8. Yep. I knew there was an 8. I knew there was an 8 involved. Nailed it. Oh, no. No. I don't don't think that was a nailed it. But... uh, so the Eventually. the city the city's trying to that we've got these two angels uh, these two strangers that come to the city right and they come under the protection of Lot yep Lot is hosting them and the entire city sees them and they want to have their way with them which is this is just a a weird story and uh, yes. the city wants to just take take advantage of the outsider here and um, Lot has hit them under his house and he is protecting them. Right. They've come under his protection and it, Lot actually ends up offering up his own daughters instead. Crazy. Um, which is, it just sounds nuts, but when you put it in cultural, like it actually like culturally makes some sense. Um, <clears throat> but this is the first place where that is used. This is the, this is the imagery. And I think it's also ironic that this is what God's like, he's providing the shade and this is the word that's used and the, the correlation that we can draw between that because Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed and Abraham likes to argue for Sodom and Gomorrah versus Jonah, who does not like to argue for Sodom and Gomorrah. Right. Or I mean, Nineveh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And Nineveh is saved. (laughs) Sodom and Gomorrah is not. Right. 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 And there's there, like there if you're if you're reading Jonah and you're not pulled back to the destruction of a city by God because he's angry about the the evil that they have in them. Mm. If it's not drawing you back to that story, you maybe should be. Yeah. There's definitely some you could be drawing some parallels. Well, and and then think of this too. Um in the West, we talk about God as being omniscient and omnipotent and mm. omni this and omni that and and uh, you know we like big big words to talk yeah. about God. In the East, they'll say things like God is like shade in the desert. Mm. God is like shade in the desert. Because what do you desperately need when you're in the desert? You need shade. Yep. And you desperately need God. Hmm. And that's how they would communicate that truth. And so the fact that God would provide shade. Even though Jonah's super pissed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, God provides things for us that that we don't know that we need. Yep. Uh, He provides a fish. Didn't know... (laughs) I did not know I needed a fish to swallow me," yeah. said Jonah. So, yeah. Teach a man to fish, feed him for a day. Mm-hmm. Give a man to fish. I, I don't know. Throw a man in a fish; <laughs> he'll come out white. <laughs> 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 that was the worst joke. Oh, all right. Let's talk one twenty thousand people. One twenty thousand. Hi, I speak English. One hundred and twenty thousand people. <laughs> In the city of Nineveh. <laughs> now, this is uh, there's obviously something going on. There's a big contextual clue in this, because if I remember, if I remember right, as I was reading it, it said in which there is about a hundred and twenty thousand people. 
right? Yeah, there are more than more than more than one hundred twenty thousand people. Well, if there's if there's more than one hundred twenty thousand, why wouldn't you give the number God? Like this is like this reminds me of the Holy Spirit at uh, Pentecost, and they're like, and about three thousand were saved. Like right. we're saying this number because we want you to think about this other thing. Yep. Yep. What might the other thing be for one hundred twenty thousand? Well, and we know that uh, numbers in the Eastern mindset have a qualitative component to them. Not, not so much, they don't think in terms of quantitative, but qualitative. So there's a quality to it. And, and 12 represents the, the 12 tribes. Uh, you could also have uh, <coughs> more than two... 10 times 10,000. Nope. He's doing math. Yeah. More than two. 10 times 10,000 persons. More than two. 10 times. The the Hebrew is actually more than two. Oh. 10 times 10,000 persons. More than two times 10,000? Yes, more than two, ten, ten thousands. Well, that's weird. So I'm ten. Not sh- I'm not sure how in the English we get one hundred twenty thousand. That's in, and maybe that's an interesting question. That's that is odd. Yeah, maybe it's maybe it's um, maybe it's ten plus two. Which is twelve, and then ten thousands. Oh, maybe that's what they're. Maybe that's how. Maybe that's how they do their math. That must be. That would work out because I was just looking at the Orthodox Jewish Bible, and they're saying six score, which is hundred twenty. Okay. Okay. Um, so ten and two times ten thousand makes sense. But yeah, there's uh, I. Th- what I sense is that that the message is, Jonah, you're cut from the same cloth. Mm. As different as you think you are from that other person, you're a lot like them. And you're justifying your anger from your own perspective. What about their perspective? Sure. They have done evil, but you have evil in your own heart. They have destroyed people. You want to destroy people, and you want to use me to do it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and sometimes, sometimes we, you know, we haven't destroyed anybody because we lack the means. Sure. Uh, but but what happens when God provides the means, like, or 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 we choose to use God as our as mm. our method? Yo, like I just can't wait till God deals with you. Yeah. You're gonna get your you're gonna get your you're gonna get what's coming. Kind of a subversive way of Yeah. Yeah. Karma. Yeah. It's karma. Yeah. You're gonna get your karma. Anyway. Yeah. So uh good stuff there. Good stuff there. There's there's more we could dig into, but uh we'll just keep rambling all day if not. So uh, let that be a lesson. Go dig into Jonah more. Um, 
if Jonah can do this in 48 verses or whatever, uh, 40 some odd verses, then uh, I think probably we should dig into the text a little bit deeper, uh, just in general. Yeah. Uh, hopefully this has inspired you to find all the fun things. Um, some of them just maybe uh, intellectually fun. Other things, uh, there might be some implications that could be applied to your life. You yeah. know, that cane bit, I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> that hit me. That hit me square in the jaw. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting when we have these theories and we go chasing <clears throat> down and we're like, oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. So. Uh, oh, not, not, not what I thought it was going to be. And yes, Lord. <laughs> I'll go find my ash pile and I'll sit in it. <laughs> uh, where's my burlap? Perfect. Well, thanks for joining us this week. Uh, we'll see you next time. We're going to kick off Advent this uh, this next week. Yeah, Start have a great off. Thanksgiving. And then yep. we'll see you Sunday. Eat much turkey. We'll be back with Christmas carols and all, all the good stuff next week. Excellent. Peace. You've been listening to Footnotes on the Mission Ridge Podcast. For more information about Mission Ridge, please visit our website at missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. We hope the rest of your week is straight up hashtag blessed and that you'll join us again next week for more footnotes.